is Jeremy Drager, and welcome to the first episode of The Juice. Today's episode is called Congo Side. This is the show where we drink juice and discuss the sometimes looked over historical events. I'm Jonathan Mott. I'm Jaden Klein. And I'm Michael Seisentrager. With us today is our phenomenal guest speaker, Charles, who is currently majoring in history at UCSB and was born and raised in Belgium. How are you doing? Good, glad to be here. Today's juice is a pristine guava juice, which comes from our sponsor, Freshly Squeezed Fake Juice, which you can find online at our website, www.juicepod.weebly.com, or at your local market. All proceeds go to the Genocide Awareness Fund. It's committed by King Leopold II that occurred in the Congo and how it compares to the Holocaust. And with Charles being from Belgium, we'll get a different insight into the Belgians' views. Excited to give you my side of the story. I think that this genocide really hasn't received the recognition it deserves amongst the historical community. King Leopold II's men first arrived in the Congo in 1885 with the intent of harvesting the natural resources. This objective, however, really began to develop into much more of a conquest, as the Belgian soldiers enslaved and brutalized the natives. As a result of this development, Leopold's harsh labor policies caused a major decline in the Congolese population. The most notable brutality of King Leopold was the cutting of Congo workers' hands when their production rate didn't meet the near-impossible standards. Well, actually, Jaden, that's a common misbelief. These were sometimes cut off by forced public soldiers who were made to account for every shot they fired by bringing back the hands of their victims. Uh, well, thanks for the correction, uh, Charles. In addition to that, workers were whipped with what is known as a chicote and forced to commit horrible deeds such as rape between family members. These horrific events lasted 23 years. And through all this pain, the only person who came out rich was King Leopold II and his family. No money went to the Belgian state or to the Congo. And this is where I have our first question for you, Charles. Uh, and it's a bit more personal to you, you come from Belgium. How do you feel uh, King Leopold II would, that the King Leopold II would risk putting such a bad rep on his country so he can get rich? Well, first of all, you have to understand that Belgium was not the only country doing this. So every European country was doing it. It wasn't very uh, special in a, in a way. And second, uh, you have to know that King Leopold II actually destroyed all the documents proving that he actually committed that genocide. So he kind of uh, protected himself against that bad reputation. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, awesome. Of course we didn't uh, ask you here just to give your personal response, but also some historical context. Uh, as you're majoring in history, we know that King Leopold colonized and basically enslaved the Congo. Is there anything you can add so that we can get a better insight on what really went down, and perhaps what you have may learn in school growing up? Uh, so, you have to know that the natural resource that was being uh, exploited was mostly rubber, which was uh, new and uh, very important in the late 18, uh, 19, 1800s, so 19th century. And uh, there's also a very big component to this when you talk about the number of victims. It's mostly victims who fled, so who fled to the forest, who fled from the colonizers. And if you're trying to compare that to Hitler's Holocaust, it's more of a fleeing problem than actually straight extermination, to say it that way. Thank you. And do you think that there's maybe a bias when uh, you were growing up, knowing that you were in Belgium? There's obviously a bias. You can compare it to how uh, the U.S. history teachers glorifies the founding fathers, even though they had slaves. So there's always that bias. It's always a nationalist point of view. Thank you. 
So the genocide has no official number of deaths, but we have, an, have many estimates from different people. According to Edmund D. Morrill, there were approximately 20 million deaths. Mark Twain estimates 10 million. And to put that into perspective, the Holocaust, an event that is probably one of the most researched and discussed genocides, has m- more close to 12 million deaths. Uh, now, of course, 12 million deaths still does warrant a lot of discussion and recognition. However, the death count in the Belgian Congo was upwards to 20 million. Uh, Charles, can you maybe talk on that and why other genocides can sometimes go unknown, even though they have more or similar deaths to the Holocaust? Well, as I said before, the deaths in the Belgian genocide are complicated to count because most of them come from diseases, uh, people who fled in the forest and died from starvation, people who just fled the country and may have been counted as dead even though they weren't. So when comparing to the Holocaust, we have a specific records of people who went to the gas chambers, that they're written down. The Belgian Congo is people are going all, all over the place, they were dying in very different circumstances. So it's that's why it's getting, in my opinion, a bit less recognition. Okay, so it's the difference between killed by disease versus directly killing the victims of the Holocaust. Uh, so there's a certain shock factor that makes this noticeable. Yeah, if you look at it in this scenario, a standout difference between the genocides is cause of death. I also think the intent of the killings had something to do with the notoriety of either genocide. What I mean by this is that Hitler wanted to wipe out an entire population of people, whereas King Leopold was just exercising his colonial control, um, of course in horrible, unjust ways. Charles, how do you think uh, intent affects how widely known a genocide is? I mean, I think you're completely right in the sense that, uh, as you said, Hitler's goal was to exterminate a specific uh, strand of the population, whereas the deaths in Congo were mostly due to collateral damage from the um, from the colonial oppression. So, for example, King Leopold II didn't come with the intent of exterminating the Congolese people since he needed them to exploit the resources. So I think there's obviously, uh, as I said before, it's kind of a confusion because people don't really know uh, who died, why they died, and uh, so the genocide is very spread out in a way. Uh, also, I was wondering if maybe race had a play in the publicity of the events. You know, back then blacks were discriminated against, so I was thinking maybe people didn't care to publicize what was going down in the Congo. Yeah, that's a great point, Nick. In the past, people of different skin color were looked at less than humans, so possibly the fact that King Leopold was mass-murdering black Africans made it so that less people cared, which then would, of course, led to the minimal publicity we see from it today. And going off that, I have a final question for you today, Charles. Um, if this genocide was to happen in this day and age, do you really think that, uh, I mean, do you think it could happen? Um, and if so, do you think there would be a lot of publicity surrounding it? Uh, so I think this is an interesting question. Um, the way to respond to this is I think it could happen. I also think it get a lot of publicity. But the problem is, let's take the example of the uh, Rohingyas uh, genocide in Myanmar that's going on. So there's a government that's doing an ethnic cleansing against a Muslim group. Uh, everyone knows about it. However, with the ways uh, states are uh, set out and uh, how they cooperate with other states, it's almost impossible for a, a modern state to declare war on another. So there is a genocide happening, people do know about it, but it extreme, it's extremely hard to intervene because of diplomatic uh, concerns.
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Charles, we all hope you enjoyed today's podcast here on The Juice. And again, we hope you stop by our website after this to purchase some absolutely divine guava juice. Also, make sure you tune in next week while we discovered the, uh, we discuss the uh, South's loss in the Civil War with our guest speaker, Ms. Kleinberger. And our editor is Jonathan Mott. Music is by myself, Nicholas Eisentrager. Our fact checker is Jeremy Drager. And our producer is Jaden Klein. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Bye.